everyone, and welcome to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Tom Adams here for the first time in quite some time for what is our post-match reaction show to Bayern Munich's 3-1 Der Klassiker win over Borussia Dortmund at the Allianz Arena to clinch their 10th consecutive Bundesliga title, which is now a record in Europe's top five leagues. No other team in any of Europe's top five leagues has ever been able to have done this. Uh, and another milestone for Thomas Müller as well, who becomes the first Bundesliga player ever to win 11 Bundesliga titles, stretching back to um, his time when he first started with Bayern. So congratulations to him. And again, we I think we have to say congratulations to Julian Nagelsmann for winning his first Bundesliga trophy ever. And what is also his second piece of silverware on the season with Bayern Munich. Obviously, they had beaten Borussia Dortmund much, much earlier in the season in the DFL Super Cup final. Um but just to kind of round out the scoring for you on this one, I, on what's been a very, very momentous occasion. It started with Serge Gnabry in the 15th minute, kind of breaking open what had been a... I heard Derek Ray on the commentary describe it as both sides sort of mirroring each other in the opening stages. And this really just came on a, a corner kick from Kimmich that Dortmund had failed to completely clear, popped right out to Serge Gnabry, but take nothing away from the technique that Gnabry showed in that effort to take one touch to control and volley at home in the bottom left corner. Marvin Hitz really was pretty much just rooted to the spot. He had no chance of getting to that. And that kind of forced and put the onus on Dortmund to kind of break open and out of their shell to try and find an equalizer. Um, so that sort of played into Bayern's hands in that respect because spaces became more open after what was relatively uh, tight blocks from Borussia Dortmund, that was probably deliberate instruction from Marco Rosa. And Robert Lewandowski provided Bayern Munich second in the 34th minute, capitalizing on what was a, a bit of needless uh, concession of possession in the back from Zagadou. And one pass later from Muller, and Lewandowski slotted it home with his left foot. I think it actually nutmegged Marvin Hitz on that attempt to find... Um, recalling collect correctly, excuse me, Kingsley Coman had also been ruled offside uh, a little bit before Lewandowski's goal in the build-up to what Gnabry thought would have been his second goal. Um, but the decision was right after VAR review. Coman was just marginally, marginally offside in the build-up to that play. To start the second half, I have to give Marco Rosa and Borussia Dortmund a lot of credit because I thought they started the second half really well uh, and posed a lot of problems for Bayern Munich. Um, one of which turned into Emre Chan converting a penalty in the 52nd minute after Joshua Kimmich had been ruled to have brought down Marco Royce uh, in the penalty box, which on second look, the slow-mo replay, I, I couldn't myself even objectively say it was a stonewall penalty. It looked bad in real time, and Royce looked to have uh, picked up a little knock in that sequence, but on closer inspection, it really didn't actually look like Kimmich made too much contact with Royce, but even after uh, VAR, the referee decided to uh, award the penalty. Manuel Neuer dove to his left. Obviously, Emre Chan put the penalty to his right uh, and the left if you're looking at it from the penalty spot. Uh, and then we really thought we were going to have game on, and you know, Dortmund pressed on and created a lot of dangerous situations. Uh, it wasn't too long after Emre Chan's penalty that Jude Bellingham was actually brought down in the box by Benjamin Pavard, and in my opinion, that seemed to be a bit more... Uh, of a penalty if I had ever seen one than the uh, the Marco Royce incident but the referee said nothing doing and, and Bayern got let off the hook uh, a little bit and there were a number of chances between Erling Haaland, uh, Marco Royce, Julian Brandt they were all lively to start the second half Jude Bellingham as well as I mentioned 
Uh, Erling Holland, I, I want to say off the top of my head, had about three or four chances uh, in the second half and surprisingly just wasn't able to make the most of any of them. And, you know, I thought uh, Luca Hernandez in particular was fantastic with some of his last ditch, very, very well-timed sliding challenges. And likewise, Upa Meccano using his strength on Erling Holland quite well. Uh, at times during 1v1s when, you know, <laughs> as a Bayern fan, when you see Holland going one-on-one trying to muscle somebody off uh, in, in those situations, especially if it's Upa Meccano, you're going to kind of hold your breath for a minute. But uh, I, I thought the back line did, did pretty well to stave off what was a decent spell of pressure to start the second half for Borussia Dortmund. And both managers were being forced to make some changes in the second half. And I think going into this game, looking at the starting lineups, you could kind of just really see how much of of an injury issue Dortmund currently had. If you look at the bench, we see Nico Schultz, Yusofa Mukoku, Felix Paslak, Marin Pograncic, Tom Rota, Leon Semic, Roman Berkey, Jamie, Baino Gittins, and Antonias Papadopoulos. That kind of just illustrates the situation they were in, lacking a lot of personnel through injury. And, you know, really they were going to have to do their business early on to try and stay in this game. And Jamal Musiala was one of the uh, the early subs for or earlier subs I should say for Julian Nagelsmann. He proved why he's a super sub at times. I know that a lot of times Bayern fans get into arguments as to whether he should be starting as a number ten or as a winger or even perhaps as Nagelsmann has preferred uh, in a lot of games this season as one of the central midfielders, whether it be a double or a triple pivot between him, Kimmich, Goretzka, Tolisso, or whoever it is uh, in the midfield for whatever given situation. But it was. Him, uh, Bambi, as they call him, his nickname, who provided Bayern's third goal in the 83rd minute. And ironically enough, in that sequence, it was Musiala himself who created a chance that Marvin Hitz had kind of saved when kind of just bobbled straight up above him. And uh, I believe it was Lewandowski, Goretzka were in the box jostling her position. And then eventually the ball fell out into the box and it was Musiala at the far post who, who put in the equalizer. And he was being played on by Rafael Guerrero, who was kind of standing on the goal line uh, at the near post next to uh, Marvin Hitz to make sure nothing had gone in. But that pretty much sealed the fate for Dortmund and, and sealed Bayern's fate as becoming Bundesliga champions for the 10th straight season, which was great to see. And we saw some late, late subs from Julian Nagelsmann bringing uh, Thomas Muller off, Lewandowski off, Kingsley Coman, and Joshua Kimmich. We saw Chapo Moting come on, Marcel Sabitzer, uh, Leroy Sané, uh, and Nigla Sula. And Chapo Moting, as I said, were or as I should say, one of the last two subs, basically just a very, very brief cameo. And uh, Bayern Munich very well could have scored a fourth on a, on a number of occasions. Marvin Hitz did very, very well to deny Lewandowski from close range not too long after Musiala's goal. And uh, there were a few other situations. Now that I'm trying to think back, I just can't remember them off the top of my head. I've already seen a lot of uh, vice beer showers in the post-match coverage and, and whatnot. So um, kind of the elation is blocking off some of the specific details, if you will, but that kind of rounds out the summary, and I know that um, it's always a situation where we look back on some of the results of the season and we say, uh, you, you could think back to Augsburg away, like how did we not get a, anything out of that match or any of the matches where we really, really fell short? Um, Val, Valafel Balkum in the, in the Rook Runda or even Villarreal in the Champions, like had we played like this against Villarreal, it probably would have been a much different story, but... We just always seem to turn it on for Der Klassiker when we're playing Borussia Dortmund, especially at the Allianz Arena. Uh, and it was great to see so much desire and, and so much will and so much grit from all of the boys in the squad. And it seemed like they were really, really willing to fight for every inch on the pitch. Goretzka in particular, I thought, did a phenomenal job in winning those first phase and second phase balls in the midfield and had a very, very commanding presence. And 
you know, that perhaps isn't something that we've seen from him all season or collectively from the midfield. And one of the things I noticed, I, I kind of sequenced this match into different phases, and I thought that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it seemed like both of the sides were kind of mirroring each other in the opening stages and kind of feeling each other out, showed uh, some nervous moments. I mentioned in the live tweets that it seemed on a few occasions, either back line was just being a little bit too casual, a little bit too lackadaisical, a little bit too slow playing the ball out of the back under pressure. But I, I really noticed Marco Rosa from a tactical standpoint, it seemed that he was very content and very intent on having like a front block three pressed right up against Bayern's defense uh, and their midfield when they had possession deep in their own half. Uh, between Renier, Erling Haaland, Marco Royce, Julian Brandt, it seemed like they were all almost consistently comprising a front three block to put pressure on Bayern's defense uh, and midfield when playing out of the back. And I just, I don't know how it clicked in my memory, but I remember this being dissected by the Bundesliga's website when RB Leipzig had drawn Bayern Munich 3-3 last season when Julian Nagelsmann was still manager. It was kind of the same situation where there was a front three block that forced a lot of bad mistakes from Bayern's standpoint and created a lot of dangerous situations for Leipzig. And I noticed a lot of the same uh, the same movements and, and the same routines from uh, excuse me from Dortmund in the early phases of this game. And as I mentioned, Serge Gnabry's goal kind of forced the issue and put the onus on Dortmund to react to that. And I saw the game become much more open for both teams after Gnabry's volley had gone in because Dortmund all of a sudden had to chase the game after doing relatively well. And you have to feel perhaps a little bit hard done by for them if you're a Dortmund fan because the volley sort of uh, was just a great bit of technique and, you know, had the ball fall in a couple inches in either direction aside from right where Gnabry was. It might have been a different story. Um, so... That's just one of the things I noticed, and I thought um, that Bayern did well to respond to the game becoming more open. And, you know, they, they had their chances in the first half. I thought they probably, aside from the closing 10, 15 minutes, I thought one of their best phases in the game was after going 1-0 up. That's when they seemed to me to look very aggressive. They seemed to be winning everything in the midfield, everything in the back line. Their challenges were time to perfection. The passes team seemed to be sharp. Um, very swift and very snappy. A lot of one touches, two touches, uh, a lot of give and goes and triangles and tight situations to play around uh, the press from Dortmund. But I, th I thought they did a fantastic job with that. And uh, I thought perhaps that we probably, it, to me, it's a bit more surprising that we didn't go perhaps 2 0 or 3 0 up in that phase of the first half after um, opening the deadlock as opposed to scoring when we did uh, in the 34th minute and then Musiala at the end. As I said, those closing stages, it did seem to be uh, like Dortmund was just running out of gas and running out of options and running out of creativity. And it seemed like, honestly, we were going to go on and get a fourth or a fifth, to be quite honest. But um, to me, I, I thought Bayern had those chances in the middle of the second half and towards the end of the second half, and I thought the damage would have been done um, a little bit better. But again, as I mentioned, credit to Dortmund for starting the second half really well, getting that penalty. And had that Bellingham penalty been called for the uh, Pavard infringement, it could have been an entirely different story. It would have gone to 2-2. And I think we saw in the first installment uh, in the Hinrund of Der Klassiker what that could look like. You know, obviously, it was a late Lewandowski penalty that secured the 3-2 win at the time for Bayern. So it could have been a lot different had that penalty been awarded. And as I said, that to me looked like a bit more of a penalty call than 
the one on Royce, but you know, that's why I don't get paid the big bucks to sit in the replay center in Cologne to <laughs> dissect those replays and communicate with the officials on the sidelines. Um, I guess you could say I'm uh, no Felix Vire. I know if there's any Dortmund fans, they might take that joke the wrong way, but uh, nonetheless, we're sitting here, 10th Bundesliga title in a row. I know in the scheme of the season that it's still disappointment having been knocked out of the DFB Pokal at the hands of uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach so early on and then not getting past uh, a team in Villarreal that we were odds-on favorites to beat and progress to the semifinals of the Champions League where we would have eventually taken on Liverpool who got past Benfica in their quarterfinals Champions League uh, tie. So disappointing there, but there's still a lot of positives to take away. It's, it's, it's funny to look back. We actually are a little bit better off at this point of the season than we were under Hansi Flick in the season that we won the treble, but because of the aforementioned treble and going on to win the sextuple, as it's been famously dubbed, the way you reflect on that season and the way we played uh, and the goal difference and the amount of times we slipped up and, and, and whatever, it's just a little bit different because of the amount of silverware that we won. And still we were a bit removed from the two-month pause because of the coronavirus pandemic. So there's a lot of uh, you know, unknown, unfamiliar variables that went into that. But again, congrats to Julian Nagelsmann. At the end of the season, if you do enough to have the most points, you're the one who wins the Meisterschale, and that's exactly what Julian Nagelsmann and this Bayern team did. And there's a lot of unanswered questions as far as contract situations for Serge Gnabry, Manuel Neuer, Thomas Müller, and of course Robert Lewandowski seems to be the, the biggest hot button, so to speak, in, in that department. But We've won the Bundesliga. Enjoy it. I hope that you're all perhaps enjoying a Weiss beer or two or some Polana or whatever you like to drink and enjoying this and soaking in the moment and maybe giving some of your Bayern fan friends <laughs> some Weiss beer showers just as uh, the boys have been doing. It was great to see Thomas Muller on ESPN Plus's coverage of the post-match show with uh, um, Bastian Schweinsteiger giving him a bit of a, uh, a Weiss beer douche <laughs> when it was unexpected, even though there seemed to be a gentleman's agreement between the two that that wouldn't take place. But um, if you're a true Bayern fan and you have been for quite some time, that was probably one of the most wholesome things I've seen in a while. One of the most Bavarian things I've seen in a while, short of uh, Marcus Soder taking a selfie with Schweinsteiger in the stands. Uh, I think it was around halftime or the start of the second half or something like that. But yeah, fantastic result for Bayern. Um, Bundesliga champions, milestone for Muller, milestone for what is becoming a, a dynasty of a team. I'm sure that uh, Dortmund fans were tell, would tell you that could have been a different result. There would have been a bit more of a fight had more personnel been available, had there not been so many injuries to the squad. It definitely seemed like all of those things were playing into Bayern's favor, but they got enough done and they showed more fight and won those battles that I've discussed. And you know they made the most of some of the chances that came to them, and, and Dortmund did not when they did, especially when they had that strong phase to start the second half. So job done from Bayern's standpoint. Uh, definitely could feel hard done by if you're a Dortmund fan, but you know they still have ambitions of making sure they secure a top four finish. And obviously the title's wrapped up, but that's going to be a very very exciting aspect to close the season as we have three match weeks left. Is who's going to finish in the top four? Who's going to clinch all of those European spots? And that's going to be a great fight to see how that section of the table finishes, and obviously towards the bottom of the table how the relegation battle uh, finishes. But with that said. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it was good to be back on the post-match show uh, instead of just a flagship. Uh, I had a, a great time live-tweeting this match, a great time watching. I hope you all did too, and I hope you've all enjoyed listening to this post-match recap of the 3-1 Dare Classic win. 
Hope you're all enjoying the title celebrations, however you are celebrating. Hope you're enjoying your Saturdays wherever you are in the world. I'm sure for some of you listening, it might already be Sunday now. But until next time, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you do use to stream your podcasts from, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, Stitcher, whatever it might be. There's a lot of stuff out there I probably don't know of. A lot of you know Gen Z or millennials might know something different that I don't know about. But anywho, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at Bavarian FB Works. Myself, if you really want to, at, at TommyAdam71. Usually always on the Bavarian Football Works account doing the business there. I don't really have much to say from my own account. Um, and yeah, congratulations, Bayern Munich, the recordmeister, 10 in a row. Thank you very, very much for listening to me rant, listening to my two cents on this match and kind of wrapping up the season as a whole even though we still have a few matches left. But until next time, Auf Wiedersehen.